0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Fourth and a half yard at the six of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back, Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Pulsome Field. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to a Thursday edition of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. Got a big show lined up for you tonight. Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald, will join us here in a couple of minutes. He penned a pretty good piece about Big Ten football coming back and Nebraska's role in that. And how that may change Nebraska's perception moving forward. We'll get Tom's thoughts about all of that coming up a little bit later on here in the hour. Hour number two, Thursday night, Teddy Greenstein will be here from the Chicago Tribune. Teddy uh, was also very active in covering the Big Ten's move to return to football. We'll hear what he has on his mind about that. Also, Teddy loves to cover pro golf, and the U.S. Open began today at Winged Foot in New York. The course was there for the taking today, so that's pretty interesting there. We'll hear Teddy's thoughts about what happened in golf today and other things with Theodore. Also we'll go beyond the headlines in hour number 2 face off is coming back for hour number 3 and we'll have our flicks picks of the week also in the third hour. As always phone lines open and available for you 531-54686 that is our phone line and also doubles up as our US cellular text line brought to you by US Segular. proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. US Segular Connecting Husker Nation 531-500 All right, now that we're a day past the Big Ten announcing they're coming back October 23rd and 24th, no update on the schedule. That did not come out today. Might tomorrow. Could come over the weekend. I think they're probably getting close. Every indication we got yesterday was by the end of the week. So that, to me, would say either tomorrow or, or perhaps on Saturday the schedule gets released and put out. My guess is they'll tie that into their television partner, and that BTN will have uh, an influence on when that gets put out. But what we're seeing today, and this has been a good day for the Buckeyes, is Ohio State has had a couple of players who within the last week have said they're done with college, they're opting out, they're getting ready for the NFL draft, uh, are now coming back. They're opting back in their star corner, Sean Wade, whose dad was very vocal about trying to get the Big Ten to come back and be a part of the college football season. He is now saying he's coming back and he's going to finish the year with the Buckeyes. He had said on Monday that he was done, but three days later, he's coming back. That follows the announcement that occurred yesterday of Buckeye offensive lineman Wyatt Davis, another guy that's projected to be a first-round pick, as is Wade. He is coming back as well. He had announced just a couple of days ago as well, that he was tired of the Big Ten's malarkey and getting out. I think he was thinking that the decision was not going to be a pro-play decision, so he was going to be done. So big day for Ohio State to get those two back. Purdue coach Jeff Braum is saying that they have had talks with Rondale Moore and they're keeping the door open for their terrific wide receiver kick return specials to come back and be a part of Purdue's season. And I've not really heard much. And maybe Josh, you have on Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, whether he may be coming back, but I guess I'm not surprised by this, but boy could sure change some teams if guys like Rondell Moore come back for Purdue. Yeah. I
1: haven't heard anything on Bateman, but you're right. There are some guys and it's interesting how the, the tide has changed. You mentioned the two guys at Ohio state that have already announced that they're coming back. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's, there's more of that. And I, it, it, it's interesting how how things have changed and I think that a lot of it has to do with the the updated protocols and just the fact of rapid testing of of knowing uh that if you're basically doing your job of staying safe, then everybody else around you is it, you know you know right away if somebody is is has tested positive so I wouldn't be surprised if uh a, a couple more that have opted out come back too and uh, yeah it's 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 interesting to see that and i I think that it would be hard for me as a college football player, especially on a team like Ohio State, to know that you might be missing out on a potential national championship-type season if you are able to get all your games in and, you know, you have a pretty good chance to make the college football playoff. So, yeah, I would not be shocked at all to see a lot more guys follow
0: suit. I've had this question. I've been on a couple of our affiliates today doing interviews about yesterday's news. And I keep getting asked, what do you think the college football playoff is going to do? Are they going to put a minimum number of games that you have to compete in to be eligible for that? So right now the Big Ten thinks they can get nine. Yep. What if they only get five or six? Is that going to be enough? But I think all the leagues are dealing with that. I I don't know. I think it's going to take time for them to sort all that out. Right. I don't think you can right now.
1: You you can't put the, you know, you can't say that teams have to play eight games because, there might not be any teams that get to that or there might be very mm-hmm. few that get to that and there might be some really really good teams like say a Clemson or an Alabama that only play 7 games for whatever reason and they can't get all their games in and then there are a few teams that might get to 9 and you know they might not have as good of a resume you know on paper as the teams that have 7 so i think that it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be more disputed and, you know, a lot more controversy than there ever has been. There's always controversy. So it's going to be really interesting to see one. And I think that one of the things too is that has been talked about is the big 10, the way they have it structured, it seems like they have it set up to be a little bit more safe than some of the other conferences like the sec and and big 12, et cetera. Plus they're only playing conference games, whereas you've seen teams, like from the ACC and the Pac-12 that are playing some non-con, or the, from the Big 12 that have been playing non-conference games that have had to, you know, knock off their games because teams from smaller conferences that don't have as st- strong a protocols have had to, you know, have have tested positive and haven't been able to field a team. So, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of moving parts to it, and there's no way I think you can – on this day September 17th say as the college football playoff committee say all teams have to have played at least 9 games to make the college football playoff. You can't do that at this point. Maybe down the road you can get to that point say in, you know, late October or mid November or something like that. Maybe set the the line once we know a little bit more, but at this
0: point there's absolutely no way you can do that. Buckle up cuz it's going to be wild. I can already see the fights that are going on in December. <laughs> If you've got, let's say, an eight and one Georgia, and you have Ohio State at five and zero, yeah. 6 and zero, and Georgia is going to go, well, you didn't, you didn't put it on the line enough. You, you didn't, you only had to win five games. I mean, that shouldn't be enough for, to allow you to get in the playoff. And then everybody's going to go, well, look at the eye test. Ohio State rolled in their five games, or whatever it was, they deserve to be in there. It is going to be panda it's going to be crazy yes. when they go down to that that thing and now it looks like we're going to be able to add the Pac-12 <laughs> into the mix because they today came out and said they are now shooting for an August October 31st a so week after the Big 10 starts start date for them to try to throw their hat in the ring it's been really fascinating yeah. to me Josh about how some of those coaches in that league say they need Two months to get ready because they haven't even really been doing weight training with some of their teams. Yeah,
1: I can't. I can't remember which college football writer it was that I saw a tweet that earlier today. That it's basically the opposite of what we saw in the Big Ten where in the Big Ten it was you know the the coaches that were really pushing hard for it and uh, the you know the the presidents were kind of dragging their feet a little bit and it's the opposite in the Pac-12 where the Pac-12 is now saying hey I think we can get ready to go the administrators are saying that and now the coaches are like hang on a second we we (laughs) haven't really been doing anything so uh, yeah it's interesting to see I do think though that there's it's a, if they're going to start late october i think i think that is enough time for them to get you know their guys on the field and get things kind of in line it might be pushing it a little bit but again it's interesting to see how quickly things can change once the the big 10 put their plans in motion just like that, the Pac-12 is like, okay, we. I think we need to do this too, and yeah, that we'll see how quickly they can get it done. But it sounds like they might be making their plans by early next week.
0: This is this is my question for the Pac-12 teams. Why are would you be that far behind? Why were, why were you not doing conditioning mm-hmm. and weight weight training? And I don't think their campuses. I mean. I don't think they've been completely closed. I, maybe they have been. I, I. It just seems odd to me that they would be that far out of shape where they think they need eight weeks to get ready. That That's crazy. They're going to get, as you as you, as you you put, if they make the decision in the next couple of days, they're going to have a full five or six weeks sure. to get ready. That should be enough to get an 18-, 19-, 20-year-old guy ready to go. Those kids are in pretty good shape as it is. They can't have lost that much strength in the last few months. But, um also, it just looks like they're following the Big Ten, doesn't it? It just looks like they can't make a decision until the Big Ten does. Right. Well, and, we, you know, the the news
1: yesterday was uh, that, you know, the Larry Scott came out and was saying that, you know, they couldn't do it because of the state guidelines in Oregon and, and California. And then the California governor came out and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And so that, you know, <laughs> kind of puts egg on his face. Uh, and, you know, it's – I do think that that's part of it, but I think that the bigger part of it is as soon as the Big Ten made it official, the you talked about the, a lot of that has been talked about over the past couple of weeks with the Big Ten has been the internal pressure within the Big Ten conference once the other leagues started actually playing games, once they actually got on the field and, and made it work for the most part. And it looked, you know, there's games on TV, the pressure that, the big 10 was feeling by not playing was too much. And that kind of put things over the top. I think that, you know, now the pressure on the pac 12 is we've kind of been tied for whatever reason. I think probably mostly just because of postseason stuff with the Rose bowl, et cetera, they've tied themselves with the big 10. And so they feel like they have to do what, what the big 10 is doing. And, and it looks like they're just going to follow
0: suit here as, as closely and as soon as they can. Even some chatter today from the Mountain West thinking that they need to jump in here in October. And if you're the Mac, you'd be the only one on the sidelines. They're the, you know, four weeks ago, it was all, we're going to have a lot of company in the spring. A lot of people are going to be playing college football in the spring. And all of a sudden now, it's dwindling. It's amazing how much things have changed in the last seven to ten days with college football. And I think a lot of it's just because people have been sitting back the last two weekends watching teams compete yep. and get out there and play games and go, wow, if they can do it, well, there's really no reason why we can't at least try to do it. Right. And it's it's the Teams in in college football, but
1: also I think the NFL, too, the way that they did it, and they're not in a bubble at all. Like, they're not – they're traveling and doing everything pretty much normal, and they've been able to make it work. And, again, I go back to the rapid testing. I feel like that's been the biggest change, or at least that's what they can say has been the biggest change. And if every team has that available that you're – and every team that you're playing has that available, it just makes it – you feel so much more comfortable going into a game when you can know without a shadow of a doubt that everybody that's playing and everybody that's on the sidelines is doesn't hasn't tested positive so i think that yeah that there has been a lot of things that have shifted and there's a lot of reasons why, but there, there is no doubt that a lot of it has been just the, the peer pressure of seeing other teams do it and pull it off and other conferences do it and pull it off. And um, yeah, and see that it's actually possible and know that you're sitting on the sideline and missing out on that is definitely a big motivator.
0: All right, those are some of the hot topics of the day. Again, the numbers, if you want to be a part of this one, 531 500 Coming up in a few minutes, Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World, Herald, will join us. He had a terrific column yesterday posted last night at about this time about Nebraska's influence and persuasion that helped get this done, get football back in the Big Ten by the end of October. What does it mean moving forward for Nebraska? What does it mean for the Big Ten? Moving forward. We'll get into that topic with Tom. We'll do all that coming up next. We're back, Sports Nightly Thursday night. Greg Sharp with you. Hope you had a good day today and a beautiful day. Outside, love this time of year. And also love reading Tom Chattel's work, the lead economist of the Omaha World Herald, who joins us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. Good evening, sir. Did you did you get outside at all today and enjoy the afternoon?
2: Well, I did and I didn't. Um, I didn't play golf, so I didn't. I'm not sure how much I enjoyed it, but uh, <laughs> I did watch the U.S. Open while reading about Nebraska opening the season October 24th. Um, so I'm a little, I, I'm a little upside down right now. But um, I, it's. Uh, <laughs> That's how we roll right now, isn't
0: it? <clears throat> it sure is. Well, loved your column that appeared online last night on the in the print edition today. Uh, Thanks to Nebraska Big Ten football season's back. Better late than never. Uh, you know, if you read some of the national stuff, the foot stomping by Nebraska didn't help at all. It was all about the science, but you seem to differ with that opinion.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And 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 about the money. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And and then about also, getting Ohio State that shot. Uh, I think football means a little bit more than, and certainly money means a lot more than maybe any, anybody wants to admit. Um, the, the Nebraska bashing, I find kind of comical. I, uh, there's a lot, lot of Big Ten apologists out there. Um, and my thought was, uh, you know, I, I know all these people, and uh, I, I know some better than others and uh, who are doing the bashing, I'm like, you know, this is a great story. Aren't journalists supposed to like great stories? Why are they angry about this? Um, And then the – especially when it came to to the lawsuit, they were all upset about the lawsuit. I'm like, well, the lawsuit is trying to get information out of the Big Ten. Aren't journalists – don't they want information out? I mean, I don't understand this at all. So, um, you know, everybody – I can't. I can't explain the agendas or the or the the reasons, but um, yes, I, I I believe. I just finished uh, having a nice email conversation back and forth with with a very nice lady who's an Iowa fan. She's upset that I didn't give Iowa any credit. So um, I'll give Iowa credit for the parents for the bat, but in my mind, Nebraska did a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: No, and I agree with you. I, I love the how you, you weave the column then into that the Big Ten needs to kind of figure itself out a little bit, that one arm of it wants to be like the Ivy League and, you know, the hallowed halls of their their libraries and that type of thing, and then the other half wants to chase the SEC and be the prominent league on the football field. Talk talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, Chip Delaney did that, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with it, but he um, didn't. You know, you have, sometimes you have to keep in mind um, who you are. And I, I think realignment um, has caused some leagues, namely the Big Ten, to kind of lose who they are. I think that the ACC is another one uh, that I tried to chase football, the, the, the BCS model, the you know, TV and, and money. And, and sometimes you just kind of have to be who you are. And, and bigger is not always better. Um, in this case, you know, the Big Ten has always thought of itself as sort of the Ivy League. It was never. It, it, there's only one Ivy League, so. But they're you know the uh, the moral high ground, the libraries, the academics, the bow ties, the tweed jackets, <laughs> blah blah blah, um, and certainly the Big Ten schools are very good. They're very highly rated and and all that, but you know that. Then you start inviting schools um, in the name of, you know, okay, Big Ten football in the '80s was pretty boring and didn't really do much, Um, and so you bring in Penn State and Joe Paterno, you raise the level of of awareness and and the profile on the East Coast. Um, The Jim Delaney is always in eastern New Jersey, always about that East Coast, Um, so. You do that, and then you bring in. You know, when you have when you uh, expand in 2010, didn't get Missouri. It chose Nebraska. Nebraska wasn't great in 2010, but they weren't bad either. But they brought that was a boost to the Big Ten network. Um, You know, more and bigger TV games, uh, higher profile, more money uh, coming in, and so. And, you know, and you and I, I remember, don't forget the day they brought in Rutgers in Maryland. You and I hmm. had a conversation about that. And uh, this is not what, what we signed up for. Right. Um, and I imagine being an old big 10 fan of, of a fan of the, the original 10. And, you know, what are they thinking of right now? This, this, um, and this is, and that came out as some of the alum, alumni uh, have written and talked on the ESPN about this and
0: they aren't happy.
2: Well, this is kind of what you invited into the league. And then Nebraska cares a lot about football. And, uh, that, that, you know, that's a good thing. And uh, what I was happy to see, a little surprise was a lot of people in the Big Ten agree with Nebraska. Um, I know Ohio State does. Um, you know, Ohio State's not interested in the uh, the bucket or the ax with the big trophy. They want the national championship trophy. Um, of course, they don't want to be Michigan, too. But uh well, I see things a little bit differently. And, but it's good to see other other schools jump on board here too.
0: Visiting again with Tom Chate. He's the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online at omaha.com. I, I asked Bill Moose last night. we had him on Sports Nightly. Tom, I said, you, you guys are being perceived kind of as a maverick, maybe a bit of a black sheep now in the league. Can, how how's this going to end for Nebraska? And, and are they going to be kind of chastised because they took they went out on a limb and pushed hard to get this thing done? How do you think they're going to be treated moving forward?
2: Well, I think they'll be fine. I think I mean some people are going to hold them against them, but um, yeah, I think the, the image of Nebraska has always been they're a bunch of big talkers. They're all all hat and, and no cattle. Uh, they don't do much, but they talk about the past, they talk about what they're going to do to you, and so on and so forth. Um, But this was actual, this was action. (laughs) This was like real off-the-field action, but they stepped up, and and I think I I showed a lot of guts. I showed a lot of bold moves. Um, I think people had to be impressed with that. I think they are. I know Ohio State, the reaction I've been reading out of Ohio State is, They've got Nebraska's back. They're, they're very happy with Nebraska, and they're they can, they consider Nebraska sort of like one of their own. You know, so I think it'll be interesting. The Nebraska Ohio State uh, games will be a lot of fun. there be uh, the camaraderie between the fans will be really will be cool. Um, but um, you know, it's I still don't think Nebraska is a great fitness league. We talked about that. Mm-hmm for a lot of these reasons that I wrote about today. And those aren't going to go away. Um, But this is where Nebraska lives until the next, the next earthquake of realignment. And, um, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to win that division again. And and maybe try to get in the playoff, you know, get, get the Pasadena in the playoff. But uh, I think they can, I I think they will eventually. But, um, but in terms of their image, are they a maverick? Eh, maybe there's some, but uh, I think that's a good thing. It's good to have an identity. The Nebraska just being themselves. Be yourself. If that if that falls on the side of of uh, the black hat or the maverick, you know, so be it. Um, I, I think Scott Frost wears that well. Uh, he does not care. I mean, he's going to do what he thinks is right and 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 say what he thinks and he will not care what we think. So, um, but again, this is, you know, Nebraska grew up in big eight and big 12 where everybody kind of not, not did their own thing, but you were encouraged to be sort of a maverick or an independent. Um, you know, you were allowed to be an, an entrepreneur. Um, that's partially what chased Nebraska out of the big 12. Um, but that's where they that's their roots, that's where they came from and that's what the Big Ten's got. And uh it's 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 a shock in system for a lot of people. I mean I got emails from a lot of different Big Ten fans saying tell Nebraska to shut up and sit down and mm-hmm. uh, I said, it Ain't gonna happen.
0: <laughs> no, and Bill Moose seemed to be Pleased with that, as I mentioned that to him last night, he said, "Well, it worked. We got football back, and that was that was the uh, the goal and the name of the game." Tom, how about the commissioner? I mean, what what a tough thing you you take the job and you immediately get hit with the pandemic, which hasn't happened in a hundred years, and, and and then you you just it, it's been really rough for him. Where does he go from here? What what future do you think he still has with this league?
2: Well, he actually started off doing uh, some good things and some good ideas, uh, um, you know, with uh, he- helping athletes and trying to do things uh, for them. Um, he's he's a tough spot. He, he's, I'm not saying he's done, but commissioners don't do things to become heroes uh, usually. Commissioners are kind of like are almost invisible. They're like actually they're like umpires or riffs. You don't notice them until they screw up. Um, they it's hard for uh, hard for a commissioner to really. I mean, it, if you bring in a lot of money, but that's kind of what Jim Delaney did. You're not going to bring in more money than he did. So, what well, what are you going to do to become a hero uh, or get get the favor back? It's going to be tough. The main thing is he he brought, they brought him in a tough spot. Uh, this reminded me of the old and then not everything reminds me of the old big Eight. Okay. I don't know. If that's, a, that's probably a drinking game whenever I'm on the radio, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, uh, the big eight to me, the, the commissioner the, it was like the, the president's wanted some money that they could push around. I think that's the way the big 10 is now. They, you know, Jimmy Delaney was, was the big boss in the room and, uh, You know, now that he's gone, a lot of these presidents can now flex their muscles a little bit and and take charge. And, um, but he, certainly he did not handle any of this stuff very well. Um, I think he, he got scared because he, he did handle things. He, he stumbled around, um, but this is not a college sports guy. That's the biggest, that we didn't pay enough attention to that when he was hired. Doesn't really have a lot of experience in this stuff. Um, and so he, when all this stuff started happening, and it's a tough time to be any commissioner right now. Um, you know he, he, and I know people are going to say it's all political, but and I can't dispute that. But I have no information either way on that. But I, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't communicate well. He just, you know, now that's half the battle, man. Um, so I think, um, and I think. The Big Ten now is not United. It's going forward, people are not afraid to stand up to him. So or the presidents and and I may have seen these guys back down on this. Um, going forward could be interesting. Um I'm not saying it's gonna be the Wild West like the Big Twelve or anything, but it it's uh it's gonna be a different Big Ten. So um I don't know. I don't know how long he lasts, I don't know if he tries to leave and go back to the NFL. But um uh, He's got a tough job going
0: forward. No, he sure does. That's a great point about the differences between him and Delaney. It goes back to the old adage, when you fire a coach, you usually hire the opposite of what you just fire, whether he was a a disciplinarian, was he an offensive guy, defensive guy, usually go the opposite direction. Tom, great piece again. Really enjoyed the read. Um, Thanks for coming on and kind of laying it all out for us, and uh, hopefully we're back watching some Husker football here real quick.
2: We're going to have a fun time uh, going forward. Football and basketball together, and, uh, you know, everybody stay healthy. That's, that's the main thing. No doubt. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. You're yeah, yeah, Thanks, Greg.
0: And we're back. Hour number two, Sports Hotline, here on a Thursday night. Big hour ahead. Teddy Greenstein will join us here in just a couple of minutes, and we'll go beyond the headlines later on in the hour. But on Thursdays, we always like to check in with our man from Chicago originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. And we can now add actively covering Big Ten football. How how good does that sound? It is
3: (laughs) phenomenal. Uh, I tell you what, Greg, on August 11th, I think I said to my wife, I'm like, man, what am I going to do this fall? Uh, it's going to be so quiet. I guess there's a chance Notre Dame plays some games. Maybe I'll jump out there. Maybe there'll be some baseball playoffs to cover. Since then, I think I've written 20 stories on Big Ten football. <laughs> <laughs> it was changed to the laptop for the last, uh, 72 hours. I'm so glad it finally got done. And I'm just happy for all the Big Ten fans. Um. Let's give some credit to Nebraska and Ohio State. Uh, those coaches pushed hard. Those fan bases pushed hard. The ADs essentially took over the process. Like, they really felt like, you know, I got I, I got some intel here I haven't even written. But, I mean, they felt like uh, Kevin Warren did not do a good job of informing the presidents and chancellors. And they felt like the plug shouldn't have been pulled when it was. So, they basically took over this process. They formed a bunch of committees And after all that, they were able to convince the presidents and chancellors, thanks largely to the availability of the daily rapid testing, to flip. And uh, here we are. Only, uh, let's see, five weeks away. Can't wait.
0: You mentioned Notre Dame, and you were there covering their game last week. How much do you think that maybe even pushed it further because you're watching Notre Dame's the crown jewel for the big 10. They've wanted them for years and years and years to see That's them right. run out and play that had to have a little influence, didn't it?
3: I think more than a little, I mean, there's always been a bit of an envy factor. Uh, Nor- Nor- uh the big 10 has wanted Notre Dame to join multiple times. I think there've been probably three invitations to join the league, maybe even a standing invitation. Um, so the fact that, you know, Notre Dame is pulling this off, that they had zero positives, that they're playing against Duke, they even had a crowd. I mean, it was interesting there because Notre Dame said, OK, we can bring in like 15,500 at 20 percent capacity. Now, they only had about ten thousand five, which was curious to me because I even know a graduate student and she said she was not permitted to buy a ticket. But, yeah, they pulled it off nicely. Um And these athletic departments, I would have to tell you, you know, Nebraska, Indiana, Iowa, Iowa cutting four sports, so many furloughing. I mean, football is needed to pay for everything. And if it can be done safely, why not? So I think that's what changed. If you want to simplify this whole Big Ten situation, you can say they went from five weeks ago saying, why should we be doing this to why should we not be doing this? If other schools are doing it and we've got the daily rapid testing – why be on the sidelines?
0: Teddy Green signs with us from the Chicago Tribune. Okay. Well, what do you expect moving forward? How soon do you think this schedule's going to be put together and, and publicized?
3: You know, I asked somebody at the big 10 yesterday, what's your best guess? And that person said early next week. And then I talked right. to Jeff Patricas, who talks to Barry Alvarez and he said, Barry was literally just on a call with us. And he said to expect it by the end of this week. So you know, the Big Ten, of course, can never get its <laughs> communication straight. We've uh, learned to adjust to that. So I-, I guess there's a good chance it's tomorrow or the Big Ten guy is right and it's not out till Monday. Obviously, there's a lot of ha- haggling that goes on now, as you know, Greg, with the networks and trying to figure out um, other than Saturday games. You know, I mean, I talked to Jim Phillips. He said something about Sunday games. I, I have no idea mm. why they would do Sunday games. At one point, Alvarez mentioned Monday. I I don't think that's on the table. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday certainly makes sense. But it is complicated in terms of, you know, satisfying the Fox family, which includes BTN and certainly the ESPN family. Um, A lot going on there. So if it's not until Monday, it certainly won't surprise me.
0: What, what, what did you make of the protocols that were put into place, the testing rates? I think there was some confusion initially yeah. about the total population. A lot of us thought, well, does that mean the county, the state? What does that mean?
3: Apparently, it's team population. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, you probably watched the Zoom. A, a lot of it was on BTN. And then... You know, we got extra time w- with the commissioner and all those guys. And I-, I thought every question was answered, but apparently it wasn't. I mean, when I see population, I think the city or the county. And uh, I guess shame on us for making an assumption, but the team population it is. And I guess somebody had a funny joke. They're like, if Ohio State is in red for both, that means the Big Ten is probably going to take it out on Rutgers and <laughs> suspend the Scarlet Knights for a game. Um, you know, the other the other head scratcher or from your perspective, you know, if you're more on the stringent side related to COVID, the fact that it's 21 days, um, mm-hmm. you know, that you're off for a competition, 21 days after a positive test to me, that means the coaches are going to use that as incentive with their players. But guys, you screw around tonight and you might miss three games. That's almost half the season. Right. So, um, it's probably overkill. I've never seen you know where it needs to be twenty one games, but clearly, you know something had to be done. There was this there was this pull, this give and take between the eighties and coaches who were like, "Let's play," and the presidents and chancellors who were like, "We have to do it safely. We have to have the highest standards of any league." So I think that's the result of that a twenty one day period there.
0: How, how close do you feel like Northwestern is to to get ready to fire up? You know, the Pac-12 coaches today were saying eight weeks. No. How, what about Fitz? How close uh, does he think his team is?
3: I mean, he's been saying for a long time, basically just let us play. You know, we'll be yeah. ready. Um, he acted like if you told him two weeks, he'd be fine. Three weeks, they're totally fine. Now, I did I asked Fitz or Jim Phillips about this. I said, "Are you guys going to start with contact practices?" And and they said no. So they said. Until they can test daily, there are no contact practices. Now, we know about that September 30th date. Um, that's sort of the deadline for when the Big Ten is going to be delivering these machines or, I guess, testing kids to all the campus. But they certainly hope it's going to be before that. So let's say it's, you know, September 28th. That allows for almost four weeks of full pad practices, which clearly is plenty of time.
0: That's that's probably more than they get during a normal August when they're getting ready for the season. That that many practices. All right, let's yeah. uh, let's talk let's talk some golf. Wingfoot has been yeah. a nightmarish place for golfers to go. I mean, they they people yeah. have had a hard time. But today, there were some pretty good numbers put up today.
3: Greg, it, it's amazing, and it, it, it's just it's every single year where the USGA somehow injects itself and. USGA makes itself the biggest story. It, it just—it's uncanny. It's either too easy or too hard. You know, you've got uh, places like Chambers Bay where they lose the greens and the whole course is brown. Um, then you've got Aaron Hills, you know, a couple hours from here, where they get a little unlucky. There's no wind and guys are, you know, just shooting. What do they shoot there? 16, 18 under. Today is is five under, which is not supposed to happen at Wingfoot. I don't know if it was. You know, the pins being too easy, the course being kind of soft, but they just can never get it right. It's amazing how, you know, the event that I was covering, the BMW Championship at Olympia Fields, the guys were, I think, one under, the leader was one under through three rounds. And now that – so that was playing like a U.S. Open, and this is playing more like a tour event. So I don't know. If you can screw it up, the USGA will certainly screw it up. Um, that said, wasn't too easy for Phil Mickelson. Ooh, <laughs> Poor guy shot what? 79 yeah Dustin Johnson struggled Tiger struggled um so it wasn't easy for everybody but it was easier than I'm sure the USGA wanted to be
0: who did you have a pre-tournament pick in this thing
3: I did it there was uh there was some action out there for uh Dustin Johnson top 10 (laughs) might have might have thrown a little bit on that unfortunately (laughs) But um, I didn't, man. I was grinding so hard on on all this Big Ten stuff. I really wasn't even reading much about the U.S. Open before. But, uh, I mean, how about the sports weekend we have coming up? Like NFL, college football, NBA playoffs, NHL, if you're into that, and the U.S. Open. It is a smorgasbord, and uh, it'll just get better starting uh,
0: 24th, 25th. Sunday for Chicago sports fans was... Oh, and Maybe baseball.
3: The, I probably should mention the Cubs and the White
0: Sox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had Ale- Alex Mills on Sunday throws a no hitter up in Milwaukee for the Cubs, right. and then you have Mitch Trubisky right. who rallies the Bears miraculously to beat them. Uh, and that uh, was a that was a great day for Chicago sports fans. It, it
3: was an incredible day, and, and I'm I actually like the Trubisky thing. I mean, I remember doing sports talk radio in Chicago in the spring, and they're saying, "Who do you think is going to start?" And uh, I said. I'm I think it's going to be Trubisky because, um, you know, Foles is fine, but he's always been a backup. I thought it's mainly because the Bears are not ready to admit that they completely screwed up that pick. Now, we all know they did because Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes are in a different league. You know, those are two of the best three in in the NFL. But Mitch, two years ago, had like a top five QBR rating. He was injured last season. It's not a great supporting cast. And they've brought in competition so to, to fire them up in the offseason. So I like seeing that. I, I'm not a Bears fan, per se. I'm a, I'm a sad Jets fan, as you know. But the city is more interesting when the Bears are good, and that was a legitimately exciting comeback down 17.
0: Okay, you're, you're done chasing Big Ten rumors for a while. What, what What's on yeah. your plate? You got, you got something you're going to go after here in the next few weeks?
3: I mean, I think now it's, it's this rollout of, uh, of Big Ten football, uh, breaking down the schedule. I'm sure there'll be some whining. And then <laughs> it, it's so interesting in terms of like who plays and who doesn't. I mean, you probably saw the, the news that Sean Wade apparently is back. I mean, yeah. not not to rip on kids, but like what an attention hound. I mean, why would you opt out on Monday knowing that this is going to be decided in the next couple days? Just so why? So the uh, entire Ohio state fan base can say, come on, man, we need you. We need you. And then come back. And same thing for Wyatt Davis at Ohio state. I mean, A lot of the opt-outs made sense. Micah Parsons and a lot of these guys who have proven everything and signed with an agent. Hopefully they made some money and took care of their family. But to do it in the last couple of days to me screamed of, look at me. So I guess that's cool that they're back. Michigan's had a bunch of opt-outs. it be interesting to see about Purdue and Rondell Moore. You probably saw the news about Wisconsin. Wisconsin has what, 40-plus positive COVID cases on the team yeah. Since uh, since June, that is, that is shocking for a team that's, um, you know, that, that's so disciplined. So good football coming up, maybe cover a little Notre Dame and um, ramp up for uh, late October and, and certainly maybe some baseball. If they have me doing the playoffs, that'd be fine with me.
0: Very good. All right. Great. Good stuff. We'll talk with you again next Thursday.
3: Thanks, Greg. Have a great night. See you, buddy.
0: We're back. Sports highly Thursday night here on the Oscar Sports Network. Greg Schar, Ben McLaughlin. Thanks again to Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. He's done some pretty good work on this Big Ten football being canceled, not being revisited, now being revisited, and back on. So good stuff from Teddy over the last couple of months on all of that. Time for us now to go beyond the headlines. That's one small step for man, but...
2: 5 seconds left in the game, Start you there.
4: believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is, good night.
3: Beyond the Headlines.
1: Well, here we are and Greg you earlier called Austin and I the dynamic duo. I don't know. Yep. I don't know about that. That's a lot of pressure to live up to, but we we came up with a few. Here's the thing, we we each came up with our own and earlier today I was writing out a topic and I had looked at the ones I didn't listen on Tuesday, but I had looked at the topics that the guys did on Tuesday. And I still somehow came up with one of the same ones. And Austin had to very kindly and gently <laughs> tell me we already did that one. So, <sighs> But I came up with one that was even better. So we'll, we'll, awesome. we'll dive in here.
5: All right, so we'll start off in the National Basketball Association with the Denver Nuggets defeating the Los Angeles Clippers to move on to the Western Conference Finals. It was the second straight series the Nuggets rallied from down three games to one to win. In the fourth series in the last two years, the Nuggets have gone the distance. So what are some teams that you guys have seen or covered that have been the clutchest?
0: Ooh. <laughs> well, how about, how about the Chiefs last this January, those big comebacks in the playoffs are down 24 to nothing and kind of give up on them. In fact, uh, I'm embarrassed to say, but I I stopped watching for a while that day against Houston, and then they rallied back and won the game pretty handily. That That's pretty clutch, the way they were able to make their way through those two games to get to the Super Bowl and then rallying in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, I mean, man, there's,
4: there's so many. So are you talking about, like, just – like mainly clutch moments so like just one particular player more of like an effort from a team
5: uh teams i think you no know, teams that you know they could be down however much they come back that always seem to step up to the plate in a big moment uh,
4: i mean yeah, i true. feel i feel like that they and this is such a cop out but the yankees kansas duke like they always find ways to win yeah. games that like it doesn't matter how the first 38 minutes go and like how the games went they'll just find a way to win yeah i remember
1: growing up i always thought the yankees were the most clutch team ever did like they were <laughs> unbeatable and part of that was obviously being a twins fan that the twins have had an awful time since the turn of the century beating the yankees especially in the playoffs so that would be my answer to that question uh Topic number two comes from the NFL. And on Sunday, we got a peek at Ezekiel Elliott's newest tattoo. The Cowboys fifth-year running back lifted his jersey after scoring a TD against the Rams and revealed a tattoo on his stomach that says, feed me. And when asked about it, (laughs) Zeke said that feed me is his brand. So first of all, your thoughts on the tattoo. And if you guys were forced to get a tattoo in a visible part of your body, where would you get it and what would it be? Pretty simple
4: man the tattoo is pretty ridiculous i mean it's not just like (laughs) a little like butterfly on your (laughs) on your foot it's uh it's it occupies his entire stomach you know where he will be fed and by the way his
1: mom respond or like reacted on on social media and said she was not a fan she's not a fan of the of the tattoo so we have a,
0: a member of the husker sports network
1: team that has tattoos right that's correct. At first, I was like, "Wait, where are you going with this? Who? Yeah. Who is it? Is it Tim? Is it Tim? No. Yeah,
4: I know." So, who you're like, visible about.
1: part of your body, like that,
4: couldn't be back then, right? Right.
1: Well, I mean, unless you go shirtless all the time, Ben, which I don't know if you do. No, yeah. no,
4: no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so we're basically talking arms, your wrist, neck, yeah, Bicep. face, face. Mike Mike Tyson. <laughs> no legs. I mean, you could go lower legs as long as you. Yeah, wear I would do like okay in that option. I would do like a calf tattoo. Yeah, like that would that to me would be the best spot for one. Not doing your biceps. Um, no, because that would be covered by my sleeve.
0: Well, I mean, if you do it low enough,
5: lift your arms up a little bit. It's there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I would I would go more wrist or ankle for yeah. me, uh, but the ankle's not all that visible unless you're wearing flip-flops or something like that. What would it say? Yeah, what would it be? I mean,
1: it doesn't have to mm. be, you know, like it could be something like Zeke, your brand, like, if, you know, a, a signature call, say, but it could also be an image, I guess, if you wanted it to be that.
0: Well, all husker fans would say you got to throw the the bones right you got sure. the, the, the skull thing yeah. I was
1: going to say that would be pretty manly too you know you're not yeah. you know that's yeah
0: that's that's a good option to go i think yeah. i think we yeah. found
1: i think we found the answer we got to go with with the the skull and crossbones perfect with the black shirts and yeah perfect
0: maybe austin's fiance will pay for him to have that done <laughs> there you go <laughs>
4: we'll we'll do a live remote broadcast we'll do that oh. we'll do that we'll do that after we go uh Go to After beat we go eat some hot wings. Yes. <laughs> yes.
5: Buffalo Perfect. Wild Wings, watch a game, then go to the tattoo parlor down the street and live stream the skull and crossbones going on my left wrist. There you go. We've got it all planned out.
0: Evening planned. I love it.
5: <laughs> Speaking of one guy who planned an evening, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes proposed to his longtime girlfriend, Brittany, who he met in high school during the Chiefs ring ceremony. It's also Mahomes' birthday today. So happy birthday, Patty.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Is he
5: 25?
4: 24,
5: 25, 25, yeah. Yes. Anyways, the birthday boy Mahomes said that proposing was more nerve-wracking than being down in the aforementioned Super Bowl, down 10 in the fourth quarter. So how did you guys meet your wives, and how nervous were you when you proposed?
4: I was super nervous. Um, So obviously some of you may know that I uh, proposed on the 50-yard line, so we had to drive from my house in Omaha to Lincoln. And and the the thing that really bailed me out was, she was on the phone with Nebraska Furniture Mart for like 38 of the 45 <laughs> minutes. So like I I was able to just kind of like process you know, think about it. What was going to happen? What was I going to say? Um, yeah, I, I, I it was it was terrible. And, and the funny <laughs> thing is is like nobody, everybody that you talk to that's proposed, like every. Woman in the scenario says, "Yeah, I have no idea what he said. Like, so it's like you, you put so much pressure on you for the speech, yeah, and it doesn't even matter what you what you say.
0: <laughs> Good point. And it, I couldn't tell you what I said. Wasn't the base head baseball coach at the time kind of mad that you didn't do that at Haymarket Park? <laughs>
4: well, he's, he's just giving me grief. He, he, you know, he he knows I love baseball. He goes, well, clearly you don't love baseball that much if you know that's the field that you chose." <laughs>
0: I I was not real original, Valentine's Day, and yeah, kind of nervous, but also confident. Good. I mean, a guy doesn't
4: ask unless he's one hundred and ten percent sure that answer is going to be yes. There's been. There's I was going to say
1: of um, examples. That's what I don't understand. Are the people that yeah that go into it and they get turned down? It's like, how could you have not known that? <laughs> like that made yeah. yeah makes no sense. But you, you
0: set up one of those big jumbotron ones and you get turned down. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that, or that, Michael Scott doing that at a at a Diwali celebration. <laughs> Just
4: that, out of the blue not even, yeah, just on a whim. Oh, good stuff. All right.
1: Uh, next topic is from the world of entertainment. And Saturday Night Live announced today that Jim Carrey will be playing Joe Biden on the upcoming season of SNL. And the show, of course, well known for its comedy sketches on politics, especially during election years. So who are some of your favorite actors to portray politicians on SNL in the past? And then also, what's your favorite Jim Carrey movie?
4: Ooh. Dumb and Dumber for
1: me. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I, hate, I don't, what don't know. You say, what was the first one? I was punch? gonna say maybe what it, what, what, what
1: know, SNL characters, right? Right. So there have been uh, so many over the years of you know portraying a political. It could be either a a president or a. Um, <laughs>
0: Chevy Chase used to do a really good uh Gerald Ford but to me it was Dana Carvey was really good with j- the older Bush George HW yeah. Bush not gonna do it I mean j- Dana Carvey was pretty good that probably was my favorite
1: I m- my favorite I'll jump in here Jay Farrow more recently did Barack Obama and that was it was more so just how spot-on it was yeah. like it was just you know he was Jay Farrow is a great actor in general and does great impressions of a lot of different people but that
0: one was spot on. I liked, was it Liar Liar that Jim Carrey yeah. was in? That was pretty funny. That's good. I, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that movie. Uh, the Ace Ventura's were pretty good. Um,
4: I don't know. Like, I, I don't watch a lot of SNL, but like, I mean, Chris Farley was was nails, and I love the uh, my all time favorite yeah. sketches are the are the Jeopardy ones.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes. those yeah. are my favorite ones. Yep, good stuff. <laughs>
5: All right, from entertainment to food, so Mountain Dew announced a new exclusive partnership featuring a Mountain Dew margarita. You can only get this when you go to Red Lobster, of all restaurants. This isn't the first time Mountain Dew has partnered with restaurants to release a special version, as Mountain Dew has released a number of special flavors with Taco Bell in the past. But it seems like Mountain Dew is trying to be the choice for people dining at higher-end and lower-end restaurants. So how do your guys' drink orders change depending on the type of restaurant you're at?
0: Oh, at Minda, you know, like uh, I'll get a margarita if I'm in a Mexican restaurant. That, to me, that goes really well with Mexican food. If I'm going to get a steak, probably going to go wine. Uh, if I'm doing a burger or wings, I'm probably going beer. So, yeah, it does change depending yeah. on what the menu says. Totally, totally agree. It, it it absolutely changes on based on what you're getting.
4: There's no doubt about that.
5: And- I'm, I'm starting to find that seeing as I just turned – well, 22 now, but 21 last summer. But I'm starting to see that kind of develop. You I know, mean, it's always popping. You go out to a fast food place, water, pretty yep. much anywhere else. But my, my pal is starting to get slightly more refined.
1: You're growing up, Austin. Yeah, he's
0: right before our eyes, guys. <laughs> yeah, he's <just laughs> he <is>. growing
1: up. <laughs> hasn't, had a, hasn't had B-dubs yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh All right, this is the one that was the replacement, and it happened this afternoon. I was watching this game live. White Sox and Twins were playing in Chicago. Twins third baseman Josh Donaldson. Oh, I knew knew you were going to throw
0: this in here. Gets into an
1: argument with home plate umpire Dan Bellino (laughs) about balls and strikes, and it had been kind of an ongoing thing throughout the series. But later in the at-bat, Donaldson blasts a go-ahead home run uh, to left field. He crosses home plate and kicks some dirt on it as he goes past. That prompts Bolino to eject Donaldson. Donaldson goes back to home plate, kicks more dirt on it, gets his money's <laughs> worth. Uh, so what's the best way an MLB player or manager has been ejected from a game? Or more it, unique, I guess.
4: It's gotta be Philip Wellman, right? The 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 minor league manager yeah. with the grenade and I mean that was <laughs> like a five minute tirade. That that was just absolutely epic.
0: Yeah. Wasn't it Lou Piniella that went through the bases? Yes. Went and just kind of started throwing the bases. Got all the bases, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> There are some
1: guys that have had some absolutely amazing and and it's not even like that's the aftermath of after getting ejected like it's they, they're already ejected and they go on
0: for five minutes doing all this other stuff that's entertaining and you don't you don't see it as much anymore because of the you can't argue balls and strikes and then you know now with replay. Right. You don't see it as much. Right. And yeah and you the unique thing about the donaldson thing
1: was that he hit a home run and then got ejected it was like you just you don't see that hardly at all if you know it's more so like you get a bad call early in the at bat and then you strike out and then you say something as you're going back to the dugout because you're (laughs) frustrated he hit a home run and like you that should have probably resolved the issue like hey i just stuck it to you umpire right and instead he he wants to add one more jab and i mean i'm not going to say i hated it like it
4: was funny to me but also was like I didn't really understand why he did it either so another one that jumps into mind guys is is what Aaron Boone said I think it was last year they were just getting absolutely hosed on calls the like the like for a long time Brett Gardner gets called on strikes and and, and you know where I'm going. He, uh, he's like, my guys are savages in that box. So <laughs> when he's sticking up for his guys, that, that, was, that, that, that was pretty epic to me, too, with that that ejection.
5: Ejections have taken on a little bit of a new flavor this year, too. Ron Gardenhire, just a few weeks ago, goes out and yells. The ump says, no, put your mask on to keep yelling at me, Gardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah still gets run he didn't follow social distancing but all right so it is Patrick Mahomes birthday today it's also the NFL's 100th birthday and obviously a lot has changed since the first game between the Dayton triangles and the Columbus panhandles so safety improvements (laughs) aside what's been the best NFL rule change of the last 100 years and what upcoming rule change do you guys think will make the most impact for the next 100 years
0: the best rule change
1: and I'm guessing that you guys don't know what all the rule changes were in the 1920s but Uh,
0: well recently and this is Ben and I totally differ on this I'm I'm glad they moved the PAT back in the NFL make it a bit of a challenge for those guys I know you hate it I'm okay with it I'm used to it
4: now I uh I think the one that 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 I'm glad they got rid of is this pass interference rule I think that was just utterly Uh stupid brutal yeah, mine is moving the goalpost back. That like yeah. I, I obviously <laughs> yeah, wasn't alive too.
1: when they had them forward, but like every time I see pictures or highlights of games back when the goalposts were in front of the end zone, I was, I just don't know if I could do that.
5: That just a safety issue, right? Too. Exactly. So that I would could, be my biggest one. I'm gonna not endear myself to our listening audience here, but allowing the forward pass. I'm not a big run the ball guy. It has its time and its place. But I'm well, a you're big air guy. Yeah, I you're like seeing it hucked back. around. So the forward <laughs> pass has made football such a different game, and I'm all here for it. True. What about ones upcoming, though, like that could be
4: changed?
1: Hmm. That's a good question.
0: Uh, I, I think I think they need to change the overtime rule.
4: Yeah, yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally I, agree. Still after that Patriots-Chiefs game, not not over that yet. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I think
5: college has it right.
0: Each yeah. team gets a crack and you get yep. it, you 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 shorten the field, everybody gets a chance to score. Yeah.
5: Do you like the force going for two after a few overtimes? Uh, I do. Yeah. I don't yeah. see
4: anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think that's I think it's definitely shortened uh shortened it up
0: some. Yeah, I mean after that was it a seven overtime game between LSU and M? That's, yeah. yeah. that's what that's what kick started it. I mean I remember watching that and just I felt exhausted watching it. I can't imagine the players being out there doing that. Well, okay. Yeah, no doubt. I mean you're you're talking about that point yeah. multiple
4: you know, multiple, multiple games that you're right. <laughs> that you're having to play. Yeah, exactly. That's all we got. Good stuff. See the the
0: eighteen Ben came through, didn't
4: they? That was they solid. Did. I mean I didn't expect anything less from those guys.
0: We're back, hour number three, Thursday night sports Highly here on the Huskers Sports Network. A reminder that our greatest game segments continue Saturday with the second game of that 1994 season for the Cornhuskers as Nebraska traveled to Lubbock, Texas for a Thursday night game on ESPN against the Red Raiders. We'll have that for you starting at 1 o'clock Central Time. On Saturday. So looking forward to listening back to that game here this weekend. Coming up this hour, we'll have our face-off segment coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Later on, we'll have our flicks picks and we'll have some open phone segments for you as well. well. let's get the hour going with the face-off. It's time for face-off. They score at the
2: face-off. Let's go. Mano a mano. You me right here. Right
0: now now here are your hosts Josh Hilkeman and Austin Orman.
1: Here we are again and as we've been kind of teasing the last couple weeks we could be approaching the end of the first season of face off between Greg and Ben as Ben currently has what appears to be a 13-9 lead which we're playing best 13 of 25 but there is that disputed week and Ben, we're gonna play another uh, full round tonight, and if you win, then that disputed week is you've you've made up for it. That's fourteen. Okay. <laughs> Basically, it'd be thirteen, so you're you're good there. If you don't, and we have time, we'll do a tiebreaker, and we, if Greg wins both of those, then we we keep playing. So otherwise, Ben, if you close it out tonight, then next week. It's going to be you guys asking the questions with me and Austin oh, nice. in good. the hot seat. I know. Yes, We're, I'm I love already, that. I'm, I can't wait. I'm already getting nervous about it. Now,
0: so. how are we going to do the buzzers and oh, stuff? we going to figure f- that out. We'll
1: figure that out. We'll get Ben hooked up with a, a way to, to oh. do that. So he can, the, the power I can do one of, of the of these. buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. We'll do something else. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into the questions for this, this week. And, some of them are difficult. A few of them, I think, are relatively easy, but we shall see. Question number one. When the Southwest Conference broke up in 1996, which four teams did not immediately go to the Big 12? Greg. Greg in first. TCU. Show me TCU. They were one of those four teams. I'll play. Okay.
0: The Houston Cougars. Show me Houston. Good start. Got to have the ponies, the SMU Mustangs. Is SMU up there? They are. Three
1: of four. No strikes. Rice. Is Rice the fourth team? They
5: are. Four for four. Great start. I actually three. would have got all those. Just too late to the trigger. Yep. Making it look easy in question number one. So we go from the gridiron to the hardwood for question number two. Name the top four scorers in points per game in the regular season for the Miami Heat. Ben. Ben's in. Jimmy Butler. Show me Jimmy Butler. It's literally Jimmy is literally the number one answer. Way to go! Passing <laughs> or playing? Uh, I'm gonna play Jimmy. Sounds Jimmy. good. Um,
4: this is where it gets a little see. tougher here. Yeah, I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to think through the. You're, you're trying. Here. You're
1: waiting until the they show the players on the floor, and it'll help you think maybe a little. Um.
5: How about Kendrick Nunn? Show me Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> he does not have
1: any points tonight, or at least he didn't when I checked five minutes ago. So that is a an impressive guess. I'll I'll give you that. He's been kind of cooled off in the last little bit of the
4: playoffs. Yeah, but he's up for Rookie of the Year. That's the only reason why that's a poll. Fair enough. Um, Halfway home. Yeah. How about uh, how about the big man
5: Bam Adebayo? Show me Bam Adebayo. Woo! Bam is there in the third quarter of today's game. He Bam. had five dunks. Boston had four total field goals.
4: <laughs> okay, this that's last one. The, this last one's where it's going to trip me up. But the yeah. good news is I have three guesses. Right, you do. And if you can name, I have three I have players. Th- yeah, I have three players that I want to guess, and well, so good. that that's that, that, works that should pretty work well out. Then. Yeah, let's
5: um, let's go with Duncan Robinson first. Show me Duncan Robinson. First
1: incorrect answer of the night. Yeah, how about that? You guys Um, have missed
5: about as many times as Duncan Robinson has (laughs) tonight. Goran Dragic. Show me Goran Dragic for the category. I have a Goran Dragic
4: player tee from when he was with the Suns. And the other other guy (laughs) that I was going to guess was Tyler Hero, but I know he was hurt for a long time, and I know he's just picking it up lately, so that was the reason why I left him off. All right, tied at one, and this one gets a little bit tougher. I was telling
1: Austin I'll be surprised if you get more than one answer of this, but we'll see. (laughs) Question number three from Major League Baseball. Besides members of the Yankees, name the three players who have appeared in the most MLB postseason games. Hint, all since the 90s or later, and all position players. So what year? Besides the Yankees. Besides the Yankees, three players who have appeared in the most MLB postseason games since the 90s. Ooh, Greg in first, barely. Give me Melky Cabrera. Ooh, show me Melky Cabrera. No, Ben. How about Jay Bruce? Show me Jay Bruce. You guys are going to get one at some point. (laughs) Or else. (sighs) Yeah, Greg, you have a little bit more time to think about it now. I'll give you one more hint since Albert Pujols. Show me Albert Pujols. Okay, I've got a guess before you give a hint. Okay. Um, Miguel Cabrera. How about Miguel Cabrera? One of the hints or one hint is it's one of the players
4: is still active. One of the three is still active. Okay, so th- this is including players that aren't playing anymore. It is yes. Oh,
1: okay, since nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, it's all, and it's not necessarily that it, it just happened to work out that way. It's besides
4: not, the besides the Yankees. Okay, yes. I, I I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Is it
1: my point. turn next? Yes, yes,
4: you're back to you, Greg.
1: How about David Ortiz? David Ortiz, that is a good guess, but incorrect.
0: <laughs> yeah, this
1: um, is. I think he was actually number four of players who didn't play with the Yankees. That, and the reason why we said with the Yankees, there are a lot of yeah, guys yeah. on that like, list. And a lot like of them. cheater and Well, yeah. and there's a good number of the top five that are guys that you probably.
4: Since 1990, right? Wouldn't have thought of, yes. Yep. Okay. Um, how about Manny Ramirez? Show me Manny Ramirez. <laughs> yes.
1: You're on the board, Ben. Is that, is that the obvious one? Um no, not necessarily. Okay. He's the leader though of non-yankees with 111.
4: Okay. Um man, this is hard. And b- b- about uh yeah. How About Chipper Jones. Show me Chipper.
1: Good work. You already beat my my line. I I figured <laughs> once you guys got one that you wouldn't get another but so, uh, if you're doing the math, those two guys are retired, so that would mean that the last one is so There's still only active. one left. Yeah, there's one left <laughs> and it's an active player. Active it player. Is.
0: Active.
5: One guess with 3 strikes left.
1: By the way, Ramirez with 111 appearances, Chipper Jones with 93. Hmm. Yadier Molina. Show me Yadier Molina. Yes. Might have given a little bit too much help on that one, but also I knew that it was a tough category. So. That was hard. Yeah. But it gets a little bit easier with
5: question number four. Go to the NFL here. Which five television play-by-play announcers have called the most Super Bowls all time? Greg. Greg, Oh, in. man. <laughs> Jim Nance. Show me Jim Nance. Surprisingly, he is not wow. on there. I know. Uh, Give me Joe Buck. Show me Joe Buck. (laughs) Old Joe's on the board. I'll play it. (laughs) Al Michaels. Show me Al Michaels. Uh, How did you guys even find
1: this? It it was a (laughs) tweet. Somebody, a, a Twitter account that is like a broadcasting or TV, like, I don't know. They they came up with it, so I don't know if it's verified or not, but according to this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it
0: could be wrong. How many are we picking, by the way? Five. Got five. five. Ben's you got, got the
5: first two. Two. Okay. Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall. Is he on the board?
4: Indeed.
1: And yes. by the way, he's the leader with 11. He also – that was this is play-by-play. He did 11 games – or 11 Super Bowls as a play-by-play announcer. He did three other ones as either – Sideline or color, so he is far and away the most experienced Super Bowl announcer. Dick Enberg.
5: Show me Dick Enberg.
1: Man, Ben, you are impressing me right now.
4: I'm about out of names, though. That's the problem. <laughs> right. Well, if you can pull how many three more, more do out I have of
1: to get? Just one more.
4: Oh, God. <laughs> and you have
1: three, stri- three strikes. So can't believe Nance isn't on there. I know oh, he—he's right behind it. Like I, Joe Buck is the number five at six all-time appearances, and I think Nance was at five, so he's right behind.
5: He'll get there this year.
4: Did uh? Was Greg Gumbel called on him? Greg Gumbel. Show me great gumbo. Sorry, yep, right, I was showing, Sorry, <laughs> easy Tim.
5: <laughs> My bad. Um, it's your first strike. Very quick strike, but yes. only one nonetheless. Quick strike.
1: I was gonna say at this point I would have run out of names. <laughs> I wouldn't even know who to say. Man. Um, I would just start throwing out guys who don't even to, call yeah, I'm trying, at bowls. this point. I'm
4: just trying to think of guys who did Monday night games for a long time
5: Howard Cassell Howard Cassell on the board He does not find himself on the board do you find yourself down to your final strike
1: My question is does Greg have a name in mind? Maybe,
4: maybe. Maybe not. Oh.
5: <laughs> oh. Even more suspense.
4: Man, I'm having a hard time coming up with a name. <laughs> um, I mean,
1: you've put yourself in a pretty good position, Ben, I would say, You're getting four of the I five. Don't, I, 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 I don't
4: want to sound stupid throwing out a bad guess, so just buzz me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Third
5: strike. And Greg, over to you for the steal. Can you remind me who he got? He's gotten Summerall, Michaels, Enberg, and Buck. Four the five. Give me Kurt Gowdy. Kurt Gowdy for the steal. Is he on the board? Wow! Oh, Greg oh, nice. swoops Good work. in. That's impressive right there. How many did he do? Gowdy got seven of them. So in order, <sighs> Summerall got 11, Michael's 10, Enberg 8, Gowdy 7, and Buck 6.
0: Because Gowdy was before yep. Enberg on NBC, and they alternated with CBS for all those years. Yep. And the only reason I knew Enberg is because
4: I had a an NFL video game with oh. Dick Enberg on the call. Wow. So that's the only reason I
1: pulled that. I know. That balance. is one name that I would not have been able to come up with. Obviously, I know who he is, but
0: on the He's spot. He's old. That's the only reason <laughs> I got it.
1: <laughs> All right. Here we go. Question number five as we're tied up 2-2 now. Who are the four most recent winners of the U- U.S. Open golfer not from the Greg. United States? Greg. Yeah, Greg. All right, Greg in. Graham McDowell. How about Graham McDowell? He is one not from the U.S. 2010 from
0: Northern Ireland. So how many? Four? Four of them, yep. All right, I'll play. Okay. Martin Keimer.
1: Show me Martin Keimer. Yes. He's from Germany. He won it in 2014. Justin Rose. Show me Justin Rose. He's killing it. <laughs> He's from England. He did it in 2013, right before Keimer did. One left and no strikes.
0: just don't remember if Rory's won a U.S. Open. I don't know that he has. But I'll throw it out there since I don't <laughs> have any strikes yet. So give me Rory McIlroy.
1: Is Rory up there? He is. He did it in 2011, and obviously he's from Ireland as well.
4: Ireland. He yeah. ran I in had the no category. Shot there. Yeah. I, I would have came up I would have said Rory. <laughs> I might have said Justin Rose, but I wouldn't have pulled Keimer, and I wouldn't have pulled yeah, whoever else. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, so there's no chance.
1: Keimer is the most recent one in 2014. 2015 and on, it's been a U.S. guy winning the U.S. Open. So
5: see if that holds true. That's what I call defending home turf. <laughs> so question number six is Greg takes a 3-2 to two lead. Name the four most recent non-quarterbacks to be selected number one overall in the NFL draft. Ben. Ben's in first. Eric Fisher. Show me Eric Fisher. You got a homer the crap out of that one? That's right. Passing or playing? Playing. All right. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett on the board. He is indeed halfway home. How many, how many more do
4: I need to get? You're two for four right now. Two for four. Uh, I don't think we're going back that far. I'll say it, but I'll say it anyway just because he's on my head. Jadavian Clowney. Show me Jadavian
5: Clowney.
0: Okay. You're
5: yeah. clowning this category so far.
0: He's, <laughs> he's newer than Eric Fisher, isn't he? He is.
5: By a year, in fact. Okay.
1: Yeah, so, so far fun. we have 2017 for Garrett, Clowney 2014, Fisher
4: 2013. One left. One left. OK, let me think here. Uh, non-quarterback, first overall selections. Don't think it's a lineman. It's remarkable there's an offensive overall? lineman in there. <laughs> um, yeah, that goes to show you how bad that draft was. Yep. Um, he was number two overall. Hmm. Kind of feel like we're going back a ways. Maybe, maybe. I kind of feel like it's another lineman.
5: <laughs> you just <laughs> said is it or isn't it?
4: <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, but uh, now now we're way before life. Right. <laughs> I mean, I unless. Mean, if we're working backwards, right. I was right? going to say, if you're mi- unless you're missing something. <laughs> Burrow, somebody, but... Kyler Murray, Maker wow, Mayfield. Yeah. And then there was. Um, Well, you said Garrett. Garrett was in there. Goff was in there. Famous Jameis was in there. (laughs) Andrew Luck was in there. Yeah. Um, And before that was Cam Newton. So we're back before Cam Newton. And so who is it? I don't know. I'm thinking.
5: It's either alignment or it's not alignment.
1: Right. Correct.
5: As we've already established. Mario Williams? Is it that far? Show me Mario Williams.
1: Okay, I'll... Wow, I thought that was right. It, close. He's the next one...
4: Like, he would have been number five if we went back to Okay, so it's, it, it's not quite as far back as Mario Williams. Right.
5: As, as Josh and I talked this through, we didn't think there was any way that Mario Williams' name would come up, but you, you proved you just, us wrong. Yeah, you proved us wrong. <laughs> That's why we limited it to four.
4: That's impressive. Man, one left, huh? Yeah,
1: one left, one strike.
4: Who was in that year? Holy smokes. Um.
1: Again, I'm curious if Greg has somebody in mind
4: or not. Nope. If he gets this, I <laughs> I deserve to lose. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I know. I was gonna say program. we're probably gonna to...
1: give you a timer buzzer here in a little bit.
4: Give me. Give me. I don't even know. Uh, give me uh, Darren McFadden.
5: <laughs> Show me Darren McFadden.
4: He's not even a first overall pick. <laughs>
5: it's all right. All right. Can you pull one other name out of a hat with one strike
0: to go?
4: No, I'm not even. No, <laughs> just I've taken enough time. All right, Buzz.
0: Greg, over to well, you. Well, for the one. Steal. I then you guys reacted. I think it might be an offensive lineman. Maybe. And I'm watching the Bengals here, and they drafted. I think it was Adrian Smith out of Alabama. So that's my guess.
5: Show me Adrian Smith out of Alabama. Was not Adrian Smith. It was an offensive lineman. Who was it? Jake was it Jake Long. Long?
4: Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. 2008. Me, I, I wouldn't have come up with it. I don't think. But yeah. That's. Woo. All right. So that was hard. Holy smokes. Yeah, that was. Hey, you
0: got four out of five. That's incredible. That was. Well, really a couple cool.
4: of those were recent, though. Like
1: yeah. those were. Re- that was solid. All, all right, guys. Um, th- we're going to the tiebreaker question and. Uh, question number 7. This is we've been sitting on this question for a while here. Oh boy. Mid-July. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh jeez. Name
1: the 6 NBA franchises that have never appeared in the finals.
4: Ben. Ben in first. Um you to get. How about the Sacramento Kings?
1: <laughs> Show me the Sacramento Kings. Currently they have. That is a good Currently guess. They have. So <laughs> I, thought they were I was like, cool. I was double checking perfect. the list well, because I didn't write this one today. <laughs> how about the Clippers? <laughs> how about the Clippers? Yes, they are up there. All right, I'm, I'm playing. I guess. So, yep. how many? Have, how many more do I need to get? <laughs> you need. There's five left.
4: Five. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh boy. Six good
1: total. God. Six total teams that have not played.
4: 16. I was. I was really uh, hoping. Uh, right, I'm gonna start making a list here. Yeah. This is. All right.
1: The Memphis Grizzlies. Show me the Memphis Grizzlies. It's two. The New Orleans Pelicans. Show me the Pelicans. It's rattling them off. The Atlanta Hawks. How about the Atlanta Hawks? They're not up there. Apparently they have at
0: some point.
4: Yeah. At some point, well, they uh, have. Good for those
0: people. <laughs> maybe when they had Dominic Wilkins, right? Maybe, they made maybe. It in or something. But all right. So I've got three, and I need two more. Three, uh, more. three more. Three and three. Okay. Yep. <laughs> they have. They have. They have. Lakers. you have the Lakers One. on your list? <laughs> <laughs> those <are> the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> The Minnesota Timberwolves. How about the Timberwolves? Yeah. They have never
1: appeared in the NBA Finals.
0: And I just remembered on the Atlanta, they they were a St. Louis franchise. They did it uh, then. That's, that's your answer to that. Um, <laughs> how about the Brooklyn Nets? How about Dang the, it, I just wrote them down. about now. the Nets? Well, cross them <laughs> off, Oh, then. good. Yes,
4: cross them <laughs> off. Get out of here, Nets. <laughs>
0: The Charlotte Hornets.
1: How about the Charlotte Hornets? Man, you're staying alive, Greg. This is impressive.
0: I've got two strikes, right? And how many more do I have to get? Just two one. More? Just one. Oh, just one. have gotten five. One left to stay alive. I got to do it because he's going to get it. No, what do game. you mean I'm going to get it? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to snake it at the very end, pull it out. Ugh. <laughs> uh. They have, they have, they have.
1: This is high high intensity right here, high pressure. By the way, do not make the questions this difficult when Austin and I play, please. <laughs> okay, just, just hang on. Ramp the – I know, I'm not saying – like, whatever <laughs> that is, I'm not saying that it's going to be next week, but whenever that happens –
0: Man, I'm drawing a blank on this last one. I I just can't think of one. I mean, you can so, throw out the um, Lakers, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... No, No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. The Phoenix Suns have made it because they, they did it with Barkley. And they right. played the Bulls. And that... Whatever that thing was called. The last dance. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, it just buzz me. All right. So...
1: Ben, this is over to you for the steal. And f- the game. Five, yeah, and the season.
4: Man. Um, I've got two written down here. You can share them with us. I've, because got the, I've got the Nuggets written down, and I've got the Magic written down. All right. And I know I can... the Magic had some good teams with Penny and with Shaq. Yeah. Horace Grant even. And I I don't remember of a good Nuggets team. I just don't. (laughs) I mean, this year they have a good team. I I know they do this year. So just – and and the Nuggets are the first team that I had written down next to the Pelicans, the Nets. So I'm going to go Nuggets. I'm going to go with my gut. All right. Nuggets. Is it the Nuggets for the steal, for the win,
1: and for the season win? It is. Yes. Sorry, I don't have any other anything else to play. I wasn't planning on you winning today, so I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I, was, I didn't
4: think I was gonna pull that one out.
1: That was that was probably the best matchup that we've had in the entire time that we've played this. So were the Nuggets
0: well on your
4: radar, Greg?
0: No, I just forgot. I just skipped right over him. Yeah. Once you the said, only, th- once you said who your two were, I knew exactly what it was. I knew it was them. Yeah, and and the only reason I thought of the
1: Nuggets is because they're, I mean, obviously right now. It's a good thing you guys can't like see us on video because we would have given that away as soon as you said the Nuggets. <laughs> but oh God, in the offensive line one. All right, so that means next week it's Austin and myself All matching right. up. You guys asking the questions. Get ready for that. Get
4: ready. You guys are going to have a whole different face on experience. I'm already already nervous, so.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to
0: watch?
2: There's no crying in baseball!
0: Well, we've got you covered. I'm going
2: to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my
0: close up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what's been on everybody's screens for the last week. Ben, laid us off.
4: Yeah, I found this uh, this interesting show on Hulu. It's called Crimes of the Century, and I've been there's only like five episodes, and it's like some of the the craziest, you know, most tragic things that have happened in our nation's history, like the DC snipers and the Oklahoma City bombing. There's one on uh, John Lennon's assassination. So they're just really interesting stories, and they're well done. So I've, I've watched a couple of those recently, looking forward to watching the next couple.
1: Cool. Nice. All right, Josh? All right. Uh, I actually watched a, a documentary on Netflix from 2018. It's called Game Changers, and here's a little trailer from that.
0: One and only
2: Arnold Schwarzenegger. I ate a lot of meat. They showed us commercials. Steak. That's what a man eats. Selling that idea that real men eat meat. Serious man food. But you got to understand, that's marketing. That's not based on reality. I've been teaching
1: fighting techniques to government agencies for more than 15 years. Then I got injured been able to teach for at least six months. I spent more than a 1,000 hours studying
5: science on recovery and nutrition. I stumbled across a study about the Roman gladiators.
2: The gladiators were predominantly vegetarian.
1: How could the original professional fighters be so powerful, eating only plants? So Game Changer, the Game Changers is a documentary, as I said, it has a bunch of big name producers, including James Cameron, Jackie Chan, Pamela Anderson, but it's kind of follows the story of a former UFC fighter, James Wilkes, who is a, he trains uh, a bunch of the military, he does training for um, guys like that, so he kind of followed his journey about how he found out that eating meat really isn't a good thing and Mm. all the different things that it does to your body and like the you know the meat industry in the United States and around the world and how all that plays together but it it follows him and then a bunch of other high-profile athletes who have decided to go to a plant-based diet and how that's helped them and their endeavor so it it didn't inspire me to become a vegetarian or anything but it was interesting a lot of the science behind it to watch that so wow cool
5: Alright. Austin. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that as we go through Flicks Picks, Tim is being a film snob on Twitter again, <laughs> telling us he put yes, the wrong movies in our Twitter poll, and yep. then he spilled Jim Carrey's name wrong, so he's a fake fan. We can just ignore Tim's opinions <laughs> on cinema. I, I usually do
4: before. that anyway.
5: Well, you're right. One movie you shouldn't ignore is Tenet. My family and I went to see this in theaters. I'll briefly expound after the trailer.
2: All I have for you is a word. It'll open the right doors, some of the wrong ones too. Use it carefully.
0: To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face.
1: As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III.
0: I'm not saying I'm getting here. No.
3: Something worse
5: great movie would highly recommend you go see it or get it when it comes out on dvd Ooh. it's a christopher Nolan one so he's going to want to make you think the guy that directed inception the prestige the dark knight trilogy all that stuff he's going to want to make you think don't overthink it just enjoy it for the action movie it is don't get bogged down in the details that'll completely ruin your enjoyment just sit back enjoy it and make sure you have your base turned down it's hard to hear the dialogue
0: wow. i'm all That's in a, that seems intense Well, when we were in San Diego doing baseball, Ben got me to start watching Ozark. I finished season one in about a month. I started season two this week. It's great. You're going to love it. I'm off into season season three, baby. And as we wrap up tonight, our our thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the Frost family after Scott Frost, Husker's football coach, lost his father, Larry, who passed away yesterday after a long battle with cancer. So our thoughts again and prayers with the Frost family. For Ben, for Josh, for Austin and for all of you, thanks for being a part of this one tonight. We'll wrap up the week with another edition of Sports Nightly tomorrow night. Enjoy the rest of your night. Good.